will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. What's going on, everybody? It's Blandon here from Leverage Addicts. And in this episode, we're going to talk about five things holding us back from success in properties. And sitting across me is Andrew. Often we try to encourage each other as well because we find ourselves perhaps on this level of thinking that might not be the most positive or the best and try to get each other back in line, remind ourselves, hey, to stop doing these things and, you know, have this positive habit instead so that we can encourage more success in each other's sort of progress because at the end of the day look we can always tell somebody to stop doing something but it's hard to get rid of something unless you actually replace it and so that's why each of these things that we talk about we're going to say hey you can stop doing this but instead here's the positive reinforcement or the action that you should take instead and these are actually what's aligned with our company values Um, So hopefully you guys can find some um, some nuggets, some nuggets. And so the first one here is stop blaming circumstances and people because often we we do. We blame our situation. Hey, we don't have enough money to do this or that. We don't have enough people supporting us or like our partner don't want to do it. Time is always the the key one, right? Not enough time. That's where it comes down to philosophy of trying to habit stack and and focus on the future instead of dwelling on the past because it's easy to beat yourself up about not achieving things. Time is like one of the key excuses a lot of people have about not being able to achieve. You know, family commitments, work commitments, there's not much time for other things over and above. But if you if you put aside, say, two hours, two hours a day, Monday to Friday, and three hours on the weekend each day, you can quite easily add 16 hours worth of working time to your week. Now, eight to 10 at night, that's no, it's working time for me. It's a working time for you, I'm sure. And the weekend, again, the kids go to bed by eight o'clock at least. You can spend two or three hours each night. Like not having enough time is not a good excuse because there's always hours. They say it's not about managing your time, but actually managing your priorities. And the habit that we actually try to encourage is daily efforts or habits that's going to align with the legacy. And when you think about legacy, the word, right, inspired by the the All Blacks book, Andrew knows that book very well. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're trying to center your life around principles and values. And if you don't have your own philosophies that you live by, then it's hard to call back on yourself to hold yourself accountable to achieving more because it's not going to happen. You're not going to rise to the 1% or top 5% of wealth for financial freedom without the extra effort. Some people are just like, oh, but I don't want to set goals. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't want to like, they feel like it's almost like they're being a fool of themselves. But if you don't, the opposite is like, you just get by every day doing the routine of going through life or you go, hey, you know what i'm going to be a bit more proactive think about the vision that i have for my family and if your partner's not supporting you it's because perhaps you're not selling the vision very well because it should incorporate them like you put a ring on him on her that you should think about how you can accommodate so it's important that we spend time to go what is our legacy then okay now we can prioritize 
and suddenly you'll find that actually you can make time to do those things and then you have the daily habits or effort or the actions that you're taking that's taking you closer to those things not setting goals is an attitude of fear and denial basically and you're lacking your own self-accountability because maybe you're worried you you won't achieve your goals and you'll be disappointed again and blaming others is is like big cop out like there's always things to blame the economy, the politicians, the lack of capital, uh, but those are just opportunities really for you to demonstrate your skill. And if you don't see opportunity through that negative, you don't yet have the skills that you need um, and, and you need to focus more on doing the homework and, and learning. And we find also that just because we have to do marketing as part of the business, but if you put a news headline that is negative you get a higher open rate on the emails you get a higher click rate on the videos like people are just wanting to hear bad news and they're almost celebrating other people's failures and that's something that we catch ourselves as well it's like if you see someone really really big and you see them fail you almost have this mini celebration inside but it's, it's not a good habit to There's have. There's a good example in the Herald on stuff today about a family's properties being guaranteed and grouped together for a business loan for one of the family members and the business failed and as a result the parents are having to sell their property through mortgagee the bank's forcing it we clicked on that link and it, we all talked about it there's like a one percent of one percent chance um or like actual if you look at the whole market of that happening um but now like half the people that are going to borrow money for business or talking about involving parents is going to be scared away from from taking that risk or building up on that opportunity and i guess it's just not being too dragged into that negative cycle of using it as an excuse to not take action uh, there's always going to be plenty of reasons to sit on the couch and do nothing if you think of it like this right if another person fails and they fail big and if their ambition the thing is they're closer to a much greater success that's how we should think about it. It's like, oh, well, this person failed now. They're going to achieve greater success because if they if they reflect on it, if they're going to, you know, still try have that goal that they've set for themselves, they're going to get there. So that leads us to our second bad habit that we try to call each other out on is stop thinking that you know, Andrew, especially because you read a lot more books than me. So often you do, you do know a lot, but actually... How should we approach this? Well, no matter what you think you know, no one really can accurately predict the future. So with any investment, it's based on the deal opportunity on the day and trying to reduce your risk and understand that because you are investing, there is risk. It's okay to bounce ideas off someone you trust and to be told that you're wrong and you should encourage it. One thing I've been trying to do a lot lately is instead of giving feedback is at best to try and give advice to say, hey, look, I've noticed that you've said this in the past or done this in the past or when you do it again in the future, you may want to consider this instead of saying, hey, the way you did that sucked <laughs> so that you can have an active conversation and, and if you want to get people to poke holes in your in ideas, you sometimes have to ask. You can put your investment idea in front of someone and that, that's one of the advantages of having a mortgage advisor, right, is you can put a property in front of them and say, hey, what do you think? You can get an unemotional feedback from it very quickly before going through the process of buying it and finding out later it was the wrong one. And a habit that we try to encourage as well as a company within the team is actually to seek to understand before we take action instead of just be like hey you can assume that you know you might just act on it but instead we should try and understand each other a little bit more ask the questions yeah sometimes if someone brings you something you say what's the goal what are you trying to achieve that should be your starting point if you're trying to achieve 
20% compound of return over five years on your capital is a very different goal than trying to achieve a 30% uplift on purchase and then a hold period until tax is no longer in question. So it's really important to know what your goal is in detail. If your goal is to make money is so open-ended, the likelihood of mistake is quite high. And I like the fact that, you know, with this particular habit, it's like, let's say, you know, you might go meet somebody new and you might perhaps have a conversation with them. And instead of just assuming that you know, like what they do or like their knowledge, you can ask a little bit more, just understand exactly what they're doing. And I also like the fact, because if we try to relate it back to properties, often there is this Dunning-Kruger effect, which Andrew introduced to us, to the company. Yeah, if you maybe briefly explain what that means. Basically, the higher level of confidence people have in a topic is usually, at least in the beginning, inversely correlated with their competence. So what does that mean is it's very common for people to be extremely confident about a subject for example like property investing but they actually have very little base knowledge so they might have accumulated this confidence by buying a property 10 years ago and there's been a lot of capital gains so they actually think they know what they're doing but the reality is they have no idea about yields about cash on cash return no idea about development potential land banking like there's an infinite list of topics that they don't know about they just look at their uh, their equity on paper and think they know and so what we try to do when people come with a lot of confidence into a conversation is show them that there's a lot more to it that they don't really know and usually there's an epiphany where people realize, okay, actually, I now realize I thought I knew 90% of this property investing thing, but I actually only know 10%. Because there's so much more, right? And that's when the real opportunity is born. Because once you humble yourself, you realize, okay, I can dedicate 10, 20 hours to learning a lot more about this. And my knowledge base is going to 10x in two weeks. And I definitely uh, encourage anyone listening out there, you know, it's just asking more questions will just allow you to be in that position of humility it's like okay how did this person make decision what was the process in terms of like how do they go through um, their thinking if I said to you just off the top of your head how many questions are there in a due diligence process to buy like a, an established business how many do you think there are I wouldn't know how many are there pick a number 5, 10, um, 20 99 99 right and if I said can you write out all those questions now would you be able to do it probably not exactly that's why checklists are so important. I thought, hey, I, I know how to buy a business. I know how to do due diligence. And I come up with like a list of 20 odd questions myself. And then I start doing more research. And I realized there's actually legit 100 or so questions you can ask or research in your due diligence process when you're buying like a, like a small business. Yeah. And so should I ever try and do that myself? No, you do the homework and you get somebody to check your list with you and maybe even do some of the work. And so that actually leads us to the third habit that we should stop each other from doing is stop trying to do everything ourselves. Instead, what we want to do is perhaps set aside time, you know, like communicate others, involve them, build those key relationships that's going to really allow you to leverage not only your time, your money, but your knowledge as well. Often we do. We go in that position. We try to do everything ourselves. And it's understandable because it's like, well, actually, there's so much information online. I can just search it up, can figure it out on my own, and I'll do it myself. I'm going to save a lot of money. Like these guys are like charging $10,000, $20,000 for whatever mentorship they have. But what we try to remind each other on is that, hey, man, like it's not about saving money. It's a matter of return on investment. That's the mindset that we need to shift towards 
is is the return on investment mindset. I think it's easy for us because you and I have the mindset of working in teams, joint venture partners, business partners, investing with your partner, you know, your wife or your better half. Some people do come to the table thinking that they want to do everything themselves, especially people that want to do the finance themselves, deal with the agent themselves, deal with the lawyer themselves, deal with the tenant themselves, self-manage their own property. It's just so many things to try to be good at. And the thing is, there's really intelligent people that are doing investing like that. But if you have 80% knowledge in property management, 80% knowledge in finance, 80% knowledge in legal, there's a huge gap that you're missing that if you work with someone else, you'll cover that gap. And your, your risk of failure is so much greater when you're doing things just by yourself. And I do think we can lean on each other in terms of knowledge, but we still have to put in the effort to go, you know what, I should learn as much as I can. Well, you, you have deeper expertise in your specific area of strength. Now, example is when we're investing in properties together, I might work with the agents or lawyers on the contract side of things and you work on the spreadsheets and the design and because we are doing that in a more regular way we can get deeper level expertise and we can do things faster in that space whereas if i was trying to do the design and the numbers on your behalf it wouldn't work out because you've got a, a greater skill set in that area and specialization is, is a way to increase your net worth and your wealth anyway because if you're able to Say, for example, you're just so refined on a particular skill and it's worth $500 an hour, you should delegate a lot of the $50, $100 task, right? And that is how we could operate when we try to build our own wealth. It's like, okay, well, actually, what is it that I'm really, really good at? Or what should I be really, really good at? And what else can I delegate? And you can you can get involved in deals that you might not get involved, be invited to if you have a greater level of specialization. And I take the rugby team approach is got 15 different positions everybody's got the same goal is to have more points at the end of the game than the other team and everybody should be able to tackle and everyone should be able to pass but the reality is the skill set of the halfback is very different from the skill set of the prop the halfback might not be able to consistently hit the ball up in the same way the prop can and the prop can't pass the ball in the same way as the halfback you need that combination to have an effective team and it's the same with investing. If you're trying to do big deals or you're trying to do deals regularly, you need a team, specialists. And sometimes you gotta pay, sometimes you can partner. Ultimately what you're trying to do from the beginning is to become someone with skills that other people want to partner with. And then if you're gonna be the lead investor, that that's fine, you can find the partners to bring into your deals. But other than that, what you need to do is advertise yourself of having the skill set where other people would want to invite you to participate. Yeah. And remember, there are three Ds to a deal. You've got the deal itself, which requires knowledge, understanding where the opportunity is. And then you've got the debt. Someone can service the debt. And then you've also got a deposit. You need the capital. So understanding that, see where you are at. If you don't have all three, well, you better sharpen up on at least one. You know, so many people that don't have all three, right? And they sit there and they have excuses about not being able to take action. And they might have two of the three or two and a half of the three, but they're just missing that last little piece. And the excuse is not really warranted given that they're just not taking enough action in that area that's missing. And so the fourth habit here or the bad habit is something that we still catch each other out on because um, often we are hard on ourselves on our results. So it's about stop letting your results get to you. And instead, we should schedule time regularly to reflect. Because there's always like, two ways to think about this. Because sometimes we're just overjoyed with our results. We're just so proud of it. 
But the other uh, side of the coin is just we're just so upset with our result, and it's just like, man, like why can't I get better results? And upon reflection, often both of these results or both of these feelings come from a place of ego. And so that's why instead of just being upset or like just too proud, we need to actually allocate that time to go, you know what, like what's causing these emotions? And often it comes down to the habits that are missing because when I look at somebody else who has the result that I want or they achieved in a short amount of time, very, very rarely it is just luck because more often than not, it's because they have built different habits, they spent their time differently, they focus on different things. And so that's why it's so important that we try to reflect. Your reflection is a great place to start and it doesn't take that long. You, If you're documenting how you're spending your time, you look at your calendar and you see, hey, is this how I actually want to spend the week? If it's not, then you've got to look forward to the week after and try to make sure your calendar reflects what your goals are. And sometimes that means sacrificing, like missing the gym or missing watching your favorite shows. I do have to catch myself when I'm hearing people talking about their favorite TV shows, but they also have disappointment about you know, their, their financial progress. Sometimes you've got to give things up and um, to also remember that your results, it includes your knowledge base. Got to remind yourself you can't take action all day, every day. You can't take action sometimes every single week. But if you take the mindset that it's 80% homework, 20% action, now I heard Madara say that just before, it's a great saying. You've got to make sure you do the 80% and you've got to make sure you do the 20%. The homework and the action in a four to one ratio is a great way to think about it. Homework is looking at listings, homework is reading books, homework is watching the relevant YouTube clips, but action is talking to agents, talking to business owners. Making uh, offers. Making offers, yeah, that's really, really important. If you're not making offers, if you have had the goal of increasing your net worth by a million dollars or creating like 100,000 of passive income and you haven't made any offers to buy businesses or properties in the last year, you've got to reflect back on on how you're managing your time and, and you can't really blame anyone other than yourself for not making offers. So you can make an, a $1 offer on a property. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. And so just, you know, we can laugh about that and you say, well, if a property is worth a million dollars and you offer 700,000 and they come back at 750, that can actually happen. Offering way more than um, right in this current market anyway. In this current market is a perfect time when everyone's saying, oh, it's a bad time to buy property. No, why? Why? <laughs> You know, it's, it's dropped in value by so much and there's people desperate to sell. So that leads us to the fifth and last habit that we talk about, which is stop trying to let perfect get in the way of just starting because instead we should ask, ask beyond how this has been done before. Instead of just discounting like I want to do it really, really well, so I'm just not even going to start. We do get into that pitfall because just to give an example, if you guys are in our property formula workshop, you might hear this and uh, basically, Joseph, this is for you because you said it yourself in the chat. Uh, you saw this property that was CV on 2.2 million. You saw the same property. You saw an opportunity there, but you didn't make an offer because you said, hey, the CV was too high. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm not going to bother. But another person in the team actually made an offer, 1.36. Just, you just jaw drop because it's like, that's almost impossible because you're almost letting like that perfection of like, oh, I can't get it on at a really, really good price to just, you know, just starting an, an old cv is is irrelevant and in this market even in a hot market if you're the only buyer then your price is negotiable with with the vendor right at all times a 40 percent discount on a cv that's two years old is totally reasonable in this market you'll miss out if you don't make an offer <laughs> yeah 
That's right. Well, I, I do understand that Joseph is obviously time poor. So time poor, perhaps you could you could look at, you know, just not try to do everything yourself, right? Again, it's, um, you know, building maybe one one more person in the in the team. Is it a family member you could pay? And it's a system and it might be a VA um, for 50 bucks a week that does two hours of work for you. You have your due diligence clause saved. So basically you just get your listings, get your criteria coming through, get your VA to draft up an agreement for you and run the numbers for you in a draft format. And you're just digitally signing something. You know, it's only five, 10 minutes. Expanding on that, actually, we did do that uh, for a while. We did hire VA, who was on $7 New Zealand per hour. It's above like 50% above like their minimum wage or something. So it's great for them, great for us. And all they did was like, we gave them a few filters and then some criterias that they need to basically go, okay, well, go through these filters, the criteria that we set, and then just put all of the properties in the spreadsheet, send an email to agents to get all the sales and purchase agreement. And then basically if the spreadsheet got some calculations there to show us, okay, which one is potentially a good piece of land that we can make an offer on and what we should offer. Then what we try to do is like, hey, we'll tell the VA, these ones we want to make an offer on, they draft it up. And then all we do is sign and send it an email and just make a phone call. Yeah. So then we're saving time significantly. And it becomes, we just the becomes a system. And it takes this huge weight off your shoulders because you know that you're even if you're not making offers that week, you know you've done the work on the new listings that there's a reason you're not making offers. It is automating the offer process. And all deals are good deals at the right price with the right terms. All properties are great properties if you get them at the right price with the right terms. It's just understanding how to get to that point. And if you don't know what I'm talking about in terms of great terms, then you haven't done the work yet of understanding how to put together deals. And I guess coming back to the positive reinforcement or the positive habit that we should be doing is beyond how this has been done before it's not just how has this been done before but actually asking beyond like what are the potential solution or alternative options because there is somebody that has started with very little money and became really successful so you should understand what they did and then try and apply what they did in this current environment with a bit of your own ideas there is someone who started with very little knowledge and became very successful and there is someone who started with very late in their sort of journey and they became really successful. So it's just like understanding what they've done and then just go, you know what, how could I actually try and apply some of those lessons in our own situation? Do you have anything else to add on that one? Just got to make sure you're managing your mindset and your inputs. You know, don't read the news, who cares? So as a summary, the first thing is stop blaming circumstances and people and stop blaming the fact that you don't have time because it comes down to having the daily efforts that's aligned with your legacy. You have to spend time to build that vision that you can bring your partners in, that you can bring your family in, bring your bring the people around you that are most important to understand this is what's important to you and these are the things that you should be doing, working towards it. Some accountability there that's gonna help. Who can you trust that's not just gonna be wanting to see you fail, but really seeing you succeed? Let those people know. Second thing is stop thinking that you know. And that is a lesson of humility, like Andrew said. Um, this is the habit that we should have instead is seek to understand before we act. Right, really diving into the topic, spending 80% of the time to learn first before you take action. But don't just let those YouTube um, stop you from actually taking action. You don't as need well. 100 hours of homework before you do your 20 hours of or 25 hours of uh, That's action. Because right. you know? there's the, those two extreme now. Eh? Sometimes you just watch YouTube for the sake of it and you just you feel good, but you don't take any action. 
So the third one is stop trying to do everything yourself. Really set aside time to look at how you can build a network that's going to allow you to leverage your knowledge, your time, your money, and really build those relationships, invest in them. And the fourth thing is stop letting your results get to you, whether or not it is, you know, you're too proud of it or just like always upset about results. Schedule time to reflect. How can you actually build in the habits to get the results that you want. And then very last one is to stop trying to let perfect get in the way of the actual work. And instead, ask beyond how this has been done before and see how you can implement those actions into your routine so that you can get the result that you want. And if you want to learn more about properties and you, if you find anything that's inspirational, welcome to email us, support at mhu.co.nz, but you can find us on YouTube as well. And then if you guys want to just sort of go, you know what, I need a framework to really build financial freedom. Go ahead. Check out the mortgage lifecycle videos. Can't go wrong.